Right, how's it going, everybody? This is Kyle Means, editorial director of WeAreRegalRadio.com, here with another dose of NFL goodness for you, our NFL podcast, combining once more this week. It is the All 32 podcast plus the bare necessities, giving you what you need to prepare yourself for the all-important week 17, the final week of regular season play in the NFL. Like I said, I'm Kyle Means, and with me on the line, as always, to break down these games and these storylines uh, is my man, Ryan Bukovetsky, who writes so well and covers the NFL and the Bears for us weekly on our website. And of course, also produces the Dean Davis show, which you can listen to each week on War on Anchor, as well as on SoundCloud and many other uh, uh, podcast platforms. But uh, Ryan, how you doing, man? We got uh, just one more week, man. It seems like once upon a time, we were uh, imagining the Bears being uh, involved in a lot of what's going on this week, but uh, as it stands, they're, they're going to be playing a pretty meaningless game. We'll get into that, uh, you know, a little bit, you know, pretty as much as we can stand. We'll get into that yeah. later. But uh, but still, you know, a lot, a lot is going on in the NFL this week. Of course, the playoffs, a lot that's settled. A lot, you know, was settled sort of last week, but there's still some maneuvering that could be done with the spots and everything. So what what are your thoughts coming into this weekend? Yeah, Kyle, uh, you know, the Bears thing definitely stings a little bit, especially how storybook it was. The 100-year anniversary, there was a big celebration uh, to begin the season, a lot of optimism coming off the heels of, uh, of what looked like a uh, season of, Kind of like uh, the 2015 Cubs, where it was like a bonus year, and now it's kind of looking like, oh, you might have blown a big champ. But regardless of that, uh, looking forward to the end of the regular season because, boy, I don't know if it gets much better than playoff football when you look at across sports. Uh, maybe playoff baseball, even basketball, even hockey, they're all exciting, but something about that one-and-done type element of the the NFL supplies weekly in their playoff schedule. And there seems to be a lot of parity for both conferences. Uh, I think you can make strong cases for a bunch of teams. And then looking at this week, definitely it's going to decide if some teams are even in the playoffs. But, of course, it has a lot of uh, meaning with seeding. And we know that sometimes that that seeding can kind of predetermine how well a team does going into the playoffs. Yeah, seeding means a lot. I, I saw a graphic this week that uh, said, particularly in the NFC, since the uh, the last expansion of the playoffs in 1990, uh, only five times has a seed lower than two gone to the Super Bowl out of the NFC. So that's you know that means a lot there. Like, you know, you talk about getting yourself a, one of those high seeds, getting yourself that bye week. And that home, and at least the one home game, to your credit, you know, coming, uh, you know, starting in the divisional round, you know, at least in, in, you know, we have seen some wilder things happen in the AFC, but still, you know, it's it's just as big in that conference too. 
but definitely in the in the elder conference, the NFC uh, seems and, to you know, line up more traditionally. Funny that, uh, you say with the NFC because this week with the 49ers and Seahawks, it's really rare where the number one seed is still up for grabs going into week 17. And especially where two teams can play each other, winner is going to have a home playoff game versus the loser that's going to be on the road the rest of the way. And as you pointed out with that stat, you got to be a two-seater higher to make the Super Bowl. That makes uh, some of these games like definite playoff games this weekend. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the the hot that's gonna be the highlight of the weekend. Uh San Francisco and Seattle on Sunday night football and and the and NBC having good sense this week to uh you know schedule the right game instead of leading the leaving the Bears to be embarrassed. You no, know, Kyle, I gotta push back against you just a little because I agree with you that they made the wrong choice from a Chicago perspective. But I, I wonder if the rest of the country just loves seeing that display of the Chiefs over the Bears and kind of like one of those things like where uh, out-of-town people are looking at the Bears thinking, how dumb can you be not picking Patrick Mahomes? Well, I don't, I don't I know. I wonder if the rate and definitely the way that Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth were laughing, I think maybe they even wanted that game on there so that they could have a little fun before the end of the season. Yeah, I mean that might be the case. I'm, you know, a little bit of Schadenfreude, uh, you know, get up on your German there, listeners, if you want to know what that means. But I, I don't know if the rest of the country cares. Of course, they're gonna troll the Bears about not picking Mahomes. I don't know if they cared so much about the Bears specifically, but you no, know, they just, you know, like I say, they they took the opportunity to troll. But I think more so than anything. You know, you you get the opportunity to see Mahomes and that great Kansas City offense in action. You know, that is something that that NBC wants to see. Reliable Chicago rating number. Yeah. Regardless Uh, of how that team's doing. Yeah, although I think uh, I saw a report, I believe, this week that said it was probably as low of a rating here, actually in the Chicago area, as there's been – for any for any recent uh, nationally televised game, I might have to look that up, but I you wouldn't. Know, Kyle, I was wondering, just to just to do a little tangent conspiracy theory thing here, wouldn't it be in the NFL's best interest to somehow pump the Bears full of success so that they could have, like, arguably, outside of maybe the Giants, the best NFL network rating? You know, when it comes to uh, ratings with uh, primetime games, I would think it'd be in the NFL's interest, kind of like with the NBA, when uh, David Stern refused Chris Paul going to the Lakers, even though he should have allowed that to happen, but he had that vendetta against, against the Lakers. Where is that from uh, uh, the NFL commissioner? Why can't they just admit have somebody good there so they can rely on those popular ratings when the Bears are at least decent? Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I, I guess maybe the maybe the number one priority outside of getting uh you know keeping Colin Kaepernick out of the league is probably uh you know <laughs> just I don't I don't know what the the NFL prioritizes beyond that. But the thing with the NFL is that the you know as good as ratings can be from some teams like like you say the Bears or the Giants or the Cowboys. You know, and, and those are three teams in particular who you know per, underperform at least for the 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 majority of the past twenty years. They've underperformed, but 
No, they really that they still get good. Like we say, they still get good ratings when those teams are on TV. And really, when you talk about the biggest games of the year, in particular the Super Bowl, it doesn't really matter who you get in those games. No, they're still going to get a hundred million people watching. So as long as they maintain that threshold, I don't know if they really care how inept the the ownership is in, in the front offices in some of these traditionally large, uh, ravenous football cities. They just they're going to get theirs, I think, in the end. Yeah, you know, it's I just thinking about the Bears and how many years they have gone with such futility, and they have just such a reliable fan base. I just it 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 just is crazy to me that they wouldn't just try to go get a bunch of retreads all the time just to keep the team at a competitive kind of eight and eight level, almost like the Ryan style of being second place. Because then this fan base would always be engaged and always be interested. And like I said, outside of the Giants, there's no bigger fan base when you talk about just total amount of people. I know L.A. has more people, but they still have to grow that fan base before they become something like the Bears. Yeah, they're, they're, mostly, they're mostly transplants out there. So, yeah, you they have to they have to main, they have to build something up amongst themselves out there where you have all these people who probably are originally from Chicago or New York or elsewhere, then they turn and become Rams fans because they you know go to the Super Bowl or something like that. But I but I'm gonna tell you with the as far as the Bears go, you know, we're you know, I'm not speaking for us because we're more discerning and we and we look at it through the eyes more of a as much of media as, as fans, but I think with the average fan, you know, you're you, there's a there's a lot of uh, defeatist attitude right now, or melancholy, or whatever you want to call it. But you know, as soon as we get to a, a week or two before training camp next summer, everybody's gonna be riled up again. You know, for some reason. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, well, it's, I mean, I think that's the, just the nature of the sport because you just know. As ugly and as terrible as things were a season ago, if you have a decent off season, that might be enough to engage fans because you can go from first to worst or worst to first all the time. It happens yes. all the time, just like the Bears did last season. So you just know that if you have enough, and if it looks, if it passes the eye test, like the team has enough, that's going to be plenty for fans to get excited because anything can happen in the NFL. Yeah, it's a vicious cycle emotionally, but but we all fall they for it every year. Sport to become, they have made a sport a drug. It's crazy when you really think about how perfect every the system works, where it's just like it's so impossible not to be intrigued. It's just set up to be that way. Yeah, the NFL as a drug is definitely a, an apt comparison, and in Chicago we we're, we're going to have to. Uh, you know, we, we're being weaned off the drug a little bit, uh, you know, for the next month. But we get to we will get we'll at least get to look, you know, through the eyes of others, live vicariously through some of these other teams. And uh, I may I may ask you later, or or maybe maybe we'll say that for our playoff preview, who would be the team that you would most want to root for? I think I already have mine, but I'll save that. But uh. Let's let's look, you know, before we get back to the Bears stuff, let's look at these games this week. And, uh, you know, like like I said, v- through varying degrees, 
you know, these games are going to be affecting the playoff uh, atmosphere, the playoff rankings, the seeds, the, the matchups. But, uh, you know, it, and still a lot of these games, because you're going to have a lot of intra-divisional games, rivalries and stuff, should be at least competitive and, and fun, even though you may have a lot of starters who are playing restricted minutes if they play at all. But uh, let's look at the schedule. Uh, one, another thing about the these Week 17 s- schedules is that pretty much everybody plays either at noon, you know, noon Central Time or 3, 3.30 Central Time, you know, given uh, the fact that it's, you know, they don't, they don't want to influence the, the results, I guess, the, the league doesn't by having the, the more staggered schedule like they have on a given week. So the only game that's not being played outside of that that typical morning, uh, you know, early afternoon, late afternoon schedule is that Sunday night game, which is which is, you know, on it's it's kept on to itself as in regards to the effects. It's it's specifically involving the Niners and the Seahawks and nobody else. But uh, looking at the schedule this week and the games that will affect the playoffs. Uh, or, or let's say the games that involve playoff teams. Uh, starting at noon, you got the Packers and the Lions. Uh, the other half of the NFC Central is uh, NFC North, I should say. Uh, uh, that uh, also involves the Bears and Minnesota, who will be playing against each other. Uh, the Packers and the Lions will be closing out their schedules. Packers, of course, had the big win on Monday night in Minnesota. Blah. They uh no they 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 clinched the division there and uh, kept themselves it looks like uh, in the two seed they'll be there uh, with a you know with a nice nice path available for them to get back to the Super Bowl um, I have to say Ryan the Packers did look really impressive you know uh, Rogers again had a so so game but he you know Adams was great again and I think he has a chance to really make himself into a breakout star in the postseason if he keeps playing the way that he's playing. Yeah, it's interesting with Adams. Ever since he's come back, it seems like the offense hasn't been working. And that's very strange because you would think getting a guy that really basically commands a double team every time because he's that good of a, a wide receiver – or at least some kind of attention where you have to give bracket coverage or some kind of help over the top, whatever. Usually you don't leave uh, Devontae Adams alone on an island with a cornerback unless one of the pure uh, elite ones. So I don't know what to make fully of the Packers because I'm with you. I'm not overly impressed with them. I think they're extremely dangerous at the same time because you have a proven Super Bowl winner in Aaron Rodgers. You do have a really exciting running back in Aaron Jones. That team offensively is definitely, under Matt LaFleur, it's more competent than they were under Mike McCarthy, even if they haven't been significantly more impressive than uh, the results they had with Mike McCarthy. Overall, I think LaFleur has done a good job, though, in on that side of the football, and definitely this defense has improved. But, you know, I thought early on in the season that, they were being a little overhyped too much. Uh, too many people were calling them uh, top 10, maybe even a top five defense. And I, I really felt there was going to be 
an evening out period. And we've seen that over the last half of the season where, you know, they're a solid defense. They can get stops, but they're, if you're going to rely on the Packers defense to win, man, you better hope you're not going against an electric offense on the other side. Because if they give up a bunch of points, it seems like this Packers team isn't built for a shootout. That being said, they can still do a lot of good things with Aaron Rodgers. He's just so, uh, you know, terrific still as a quarterback, still one of the best in the game. And I definitely wouldn't want to go up against him in the street fight when it comes to an NFL playoff game. But I like where they're sitting, I guess, overall, because you're, you're talking about a first-round bye that's so important. You mentioned the stat. you got to be a two-seed or higher. They should win this game against Detroit, and that would lock in that number two seed. That would uh, give them that home playoff game and potentially another home playoff game as long as the number one seed, whoever that may be, falls in the divisional round. So they have a really good chance and a good path to get to the Super Bowl, but I definitely don't think that they're a world beater, and there are some NFC teams that I like better than them overall. Well, I tell you, I, I, first of all, I led you into that wrong because I was saying, I was talking about the breakout potentially, and I, I know I said Adams, I meant Jones. That's what I meant. Uh, uh, I said Adam. Oh, definitely yeah. with with Aaron Jones. I'm with you. He could be a, a star in these playoffs, especially if they are getting that ground game going, some play action to keep defenses honest. Like, yeah, Aaron Jones. He could be a real monster in these playoffs. He's been really their best offensive player all year long. Right. Yeah. And. And like I said, they're going to need him definitely throughout the playoffs. They they likely will need him, you know, if the weather cooperates. Actually, for in their point of view, you know, uh, in a couple of weeks, they may want some bad weather up there, uh, given whoever they you know welcome in that divisional round. But I don't know. I think I think I'm a little more, you know, we we were we were on the same accord pretty much throughout the season with with the Packers, but I think I'm a little bit more impressed with you at this than, than with them than you are at this point, because while they don't have like, they, they're not like a shut them down defense. And, you know, Rogers of course has been spotty and the offense is spotty, but they have playmakers. And I think, you know, when, when you look at the, the potential of the playmaking ability with Rogers, Adams and Jones, and then on the defense, even you still have like like those Smith linebackers that that pair of Smith boys. They showed themselves, especially Zadarius showed them. They showed out against Minnesota, and you know there's always you know if that you know that's that's going to be a defense that's going to blitz a lot. They're going to put pressure on quarterbacks. They're going to find ways if they find the ways to get into opposing teams' backfield. They could wreak a lot of havoc. And though you mentioned the scoring, I'm looking at their schedule. Uh, you know, looking back at their schedule, in the back half of the season, they they haven't given up a lot of points. You know, when you look at uh, their two losses that they've had since uh, since they had their – they had the, the one-point win that they barely got against uh, Detroit – Back on the 14th of October. Since then, they've lost two games to uh, one to the Chargers. They get 26 11. That was, a, you know, just a fluke. And uh, the, the 49ers, they, they got blew out, uh, you know, blown out in, by the 49ers. But I, besides that, they, they've only given up 
16 to Carolina, 13 to New York. And they played some sorry teams during the schedule as well. But, you know, Washington, they gave up 15, the Bears 13, and the and most most impressively, I would say 10 to the Vikings this week. So maybe yeah. th- this may be a situation where they may be playing their better their best ball or at least improving at the best at the best time of the year to improve. Yeah, that that's a good point, Kyle. I mean, definitely when you look at the Giants, Washington, and Bears games, you're kind of just thinking whatever. But that Minnesota, at Minnesota, that was very impressive. Clearly the loss of Dalvin Cook with that Vikings team. I mean, not to say if Dalvin Cook was there that they would have exploded offensively. But without him, it just seems like they can't get anything really going offensively. He is just so important to what they do. But you're right. You're so right about the Packers. I mean, that's why I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm anti-Green Bay because I think that they are about as dangerous as anybody. Because maybe what they lack when you talk about overall team talent compared to a team like the Niners, the Niners don't have a proven quarterback that's won a Super Bowl like right. the Packers do. And the Packers have some good coaches on there that have done some really good things, even though that they are a little bit unproven in some of their roles, but Mike Penn, like you said, is a very aggressive defensive coordinator. He's going to put a lot of heat on teams. And knowing you have Aaron Rodgers, who should be able to keep a game close, that, you know, if you fall behind, he's going to come up with a big score to, to go right back at the other team. That allows the defense to even be more aggressive. So this Packers team definitely is, is dangerous coming into the playoffs. And if they lock down that number two seed, the path is there. I mean, it, it is a perfect path for them to get to the Super Bowl. Yes, yeah, I agree. I agree. But uh, let's look at the other. I'm, I'm, let's let's do this uh, conference by conference. Let's stick with the NFC playoff uh, teams and games that involve in them. Uh, there's also, like we said, the Bears and Vikings. We'll we'll speak a little bit more on that later. Um, Saints and Panthers. Uh, Saints in the year at Carolina. Another rivalry game in in the in division game there. Saints uh, had a pretty, I I, I I they had a pretty tough one last week. I picked um, in our in our picks uh, for the Dean Davis show. I I picked them losing at Tennessee, and I, it looked good for a little while there. But the Saints showed some grit, I think, in coming back in that game and taking over and taking over it late. And they they got a win that they could definitely use. Uh, might not get them out of the wild card round, but when you look at the Saints, they're not a team that you can take lightly. It seems on you know in in the Superdome or out of it. So uh, you know we'll see. They're projected right now as the third seed, uh, and they would host the Vikings in that first round. So that you know that could be a game. It could be a very interesting game, but I could also see the Saints maybe blowing out the Vikings in that one too. So, you know, definitely, definitely don't want to sleep on the Saints. But um, it'll be interesting to see how they deal with their. Uh, they they could they could pretty much play their second string in this game if they wanted to. If they wanted to, at least at quarterback, they that's a you no know, that shows the benefit of having a Teddy Bridgewater as your second string quarterback, you could just throw him out there and rest uh breeze. But you know, I'm I'm not sure what they're gonna do at this moment. But but oh let's talk right quick though 
apparently they they've worked out or they're planning to work out Antonio Brown. You know, what, what, did, they so they've done that this morning. I mean, what what do you think about that? What do you think that? You no, know, I think I've I've already seen some people online talk about the risk that's there's obvious risks that's involved with being in the Antonio Brown business, and uh, you know you can you know there could be a lot of risk in in regards to uh, you know uh, simply the chemistry of a team. You know, he could be a very toxic element that you could bring in, especially at this all important part of the year. So I mean, it's like. Uh, you know, I, but at the same time, they only have like one receiver who they go to right now, and they may be you know, that thirsty, I guess, to have another playmaking receiver. So, do you think it'll be worth it to bring that guy on for the playoffs? It's, it's really interesting. Um, I mean, if we look at recent history with the Saints, this isn't too surprising. They signed Janoris Jenkins after he made uh, a bad comment uh, with the Giants. He used the R word, which is a bad depiction of mentally handicapped or mentally disabled. Yeah, and then he tried to act like it's something that they say that they say in the hood, like like right. it's like it's some sort of cultural expression or something. Dumbass. Right. I think he meant it to kind of like. When I say this with my friends, it's kind of okay, but it was just, you know, it, was, it wasn't a good comment. The Giants decided to cut him, and then the Saints brought him in right away. Uh, I remember with Des Bryant. Des Bryant was trying to come back. He got injured on the Saints practice field with the Achilles tear, and he was kind of looked at at the time as kind of not worth signing because he's going to be a headache, and does he really have much left in the tank kind of thing. So they have been a team. I remember Eli Apple also got cut from the Giants, and the Saints uh, went after him after he was having some issues there with uh, with the Giants kind of in the locker room. So they, I think, feel as an organization, we have Sean Payton, who's a great leader and coach. We have Drew Brees, who's an amazing leader and quarterback. We feel like we have the type of locker room that's not going to splinter if we bring in a personality or if they bring in a guy that can help us, we're, we're going to value that a little bit more than some of the baggage that they might have. And I'm not saying that it's necessarily a good move because I think that as clearly Antonio Brown has shown a pattern of wearing out his welcome wherever he's been the last few teams. I mean, you talk about lying to the owner when it comes to the Patriots talk about essentially putting John Gruden on YouTube and making him a star with some crazy video and having uh, near physical altercations with the GM. And then you talk about, of course, with the Steelers, he quit on the team. So who knows exactly what you would get from Antonio Brown. I personally think that it's a big risk, but they do have, like I said, the leadership that you would think where Antonio Brown, he obviously respected Tom Brady and he probably was going to put on his best uh, to put to get that contract, obviously, that he wanted at the end of the year, but definitely be on his best behavior type thing. And I would think the same for Drew Brees, because Drew Brees is right there with Tom Brady in terms of impressiveness, even though he's a step behind. So it's a big, it's a gamble. Like you said, they really need another playmaker. And you would think if you had Michael Thomas on one side and then Antonio Brown on the other, and he, being Antonio Brown was on his best behavior and was willing to be a team player for the Saints in this playoff run, 
you talk about a combination of weapons that would really scare a lot of teams, especially in this offense with that quarterback and that play caller. I don't know uh, if it's going to go any further because I would think the commissioner is going to put him on the exempt list as soon as he gets signed anywhere he goes. But really interesting about the Saints, they want to get any advantage possible going into these playoffs. And, you know, maybe for some teams that's a good idea, for others not. I don't know, but it's definitely interesting nonetheless. Well, you talk about the NFL – uh, sort of doing engineering things for ratings sake, you know, putting Antonio Brown on a playoff roster at week 17 would definitely gin up a lot of interest in ratings. I think at least for the, for those games and, and on the wild card weekend, but uh, it, it, it seems too like, you know, maybe you, you went, you went well through the list of recent risks that they've taken taken or attempted to take down in the NO. Maybe uh, maybe they're trying to be the new Raiders or something. You know, you know how the Raiders used to be with taking on uh, other teams' problems and making them, you know, into into pluses on their side, you know, when they would win titles back in the day. You know, maybe maybe that's something that Sean Payton and them are trying to do down there. Yeah, it's possible because like I said, they have that leadership so you would think that they, you know, can handle a personality. And it's a small market. You're not going to get as much media uh, attention and uh, as much media pressure as you would if it was, let's say, the Bears. And uh, New Orleans loves football. I mean, they're a football town. So they are all staked. And when you have a fan base like that, usually they allow some of the character flaws if it's in the name of winning. And as much as any team in the league, they're, they're, they they got to be feeling like they're out for blood in this playoff season, given how it ended last year. Man. You know, they and the year before that. Yeah, true, true. But definitely last year, they felt like they should be – they should have been in that Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, they, they felt – they feel some, some sort of conspiracy against them with the league, so – you know, maybe this is a thing that that sort of ties it even more into the old Raiders, where it feels like you have a thing where the league is against you, and you know you want to be these out you you want to be these outliers, these you know, these rebels in this sort of way. So you know, that's definitely something to keep an eye on um, with uh, with New Orleans, and you know, like like you said, it's like it's unlikely if if they even if they tried to sign. Um, uh, AB that you know that he would actually play in these playoffs, but that wouldn't stop him likely for next year. You know if they feel that he's the fit for them that they want him to be. So we'll, we'll see about that. But uh, let's look at the next two games. Sort of pair we compare them up together because they both involve the NFC East and how that's gonna uh, the the you know how that's gonna play out. Uh, Eagles and Giants in Washington and uh, the Cowboys both playing at 325. Uh, Eagles are at New York and the Cowboys are hosting Washington. So the situation we're here is essentially if the Eagles win, they're in. The Cowboys have to win and hope that the Eagles lose. So, uh, you know, what do you think is the, the most likely situation coming out of those two games? 
Well, I definitely think the Cowboys are going to win. They're favored by 11 that I see right now. And uh, Philly is favored by four and a half on the road to the Giants. Usually the home team gets three points. So that seemingly is, if it was on a neutral or in Philly, that the Eagles would be seven and a half favorites. And it's not like uh, it's a long extended road trip for the Eagles to drive uh, was a little bit north and head over to uh, New York or New Jersey, I should say, and play uh, in the Meadowlands. So I would think the Eagles are going to win the division. I've always felt that they were the team that was going to win it going into the season. But obviously last week with the head to head, I think I went with Dallas just feeling like Dallas is the better team. They're the, as desperate, they got to come up with something. And I should have known better because we talked about this, Kyle. I, I just don't believe in this Cowboys team at all. I wouldn't even be surprised if they lost to Washington on Sunday. They just find a way to always come up short. It, it's amazing. I feel like in another life I was a Cowboys fan or something, and that's why I'm a Bears fan now because they're probably the two best franchises that are coming up short all the time for whatever reason. Right, because so, uh, I think – yeah. I think uh, the Eagles are going to be your NFC's champions, and we're going to be talking about uh, Dallas firing Jason Garrett on Black Monday. Mm. Well, okay, I, I I agree with you on all that. I don't, I don't, maybe even yeah, maybe even the firing on Black Monday, but I definitely agree with you on the the uh, the on field results. Uh, that would leave you no know, boats. Uh, that, that would be the Eagles with a nine and seven record, and the fourth seed in the playoffs if they win, and the Cowboys would be eight and eight. But I would, I would like you said, I would love to see Washington, even though they're the slurs. I would love to see, uh, you know, that quarterback duo, that the young Ohio State duo, uh, you know, connect well, and uh, you know. God, let's get the kids the quarterback's name. Uh, Dwayne Haskins and Terry McLaurin. Yeah, Haskins and McLaurin, yeah. I've, I've been impressed with McLaurin since the Bears game. And uh, Yeah, he I, is he is tremendous. I remember going into that draft, there was a lot of questions about his route running, definitely no questions about his speed. It was just can he put it together, all the rest of the, the finer parts of receiving. And he's clearly on a tremendous path when it comes to that. He's uh, one of the most exciting young receivers in the game right now. Yeah, he he looks like a gamer, and and Haskins is he's shown a little bit. He's had some rough periods too, but it's it's pretty much all that you can expect from a rookie quarterback. But uh, if you know, this is a good this would be a good chance for them to really show themselves out on on a you know in a game that a lot of people are gonna be watching this week. I, but as, in regards to the, the Dallas, you know, I just want to see that thing go down as far as it can go, and and let's see, you know, let's see if under that pressure, just how Jerry Jones will react. Will he, will he pull the trigger? He may even pull the trigger that evening. <laughs> you know, yeah. Let's, let's see what'll happen in that in that situation because they really don't deserve anything better than that. The way that they played this year. And Kyle, I mean, it's going to be fascinating because let's say. The obvious is going to happen that Jason Garrett will be fired. I mean, it looks like Freddie Kitchens is probably going to stay in Cleveland. So that makes Dallas the best job available of what's probably going to be available when it comes to uh, needing a head coach. And so 
you have the best job in terms of talent and players on the field, but then it's the worst job on the other hand, because you have to do what Jerry wants, no matter who you are, unless Jerry is willing to do kind of a Bill Parcells type thing where it's like, okay, I'm going to be the GM, but you clearly get control of everything you want control of. And I think that that's the route that Jerry has to go. Will he do it though? And, you know, you bring up a name like Urban Meyer, because it looks like he might be too toxic for college, so he's thinking about NFL. That would be a very, very interesting name to get, but you just feel like a control freak like Urban Meyer, because all these college coaches that are successful are major control freaks. That's why Nick Saban, when he didn't have a good quarterback at Miami with the Dolphins, he left to go back to college so he could get a bunch of good players and first-rounders instead of just one every year. So how is that going to work in a place like Dallas? That's going to be fascinating to see how that plays out. Yeah, it is, yeah. And and then, of course, you got the Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper contract situation thrown on top. There's a lot of chance of combustion or just a a terrific sweeping move where maybe they, uh, they make the Super Bowl move by getting the right leader at the head coach position. Yeah, and two two things, you know, you mentioned uh, Meyer, and and you know this may be a thing. A lot of people say, well, he was just he may have just done this to get leverage, but he accepted that that spot in the in the in the skybox uh, with the with the Washington game, and you know, given given the way that Washington does business, they may they may back up the Brinks truck for him too. So that he can yeah. it with with Haskins and McLaurin, so you know yeah. that that adds some possible intrigue there to this game this week, and you know going into the off season where you may have those teams fighting over, you know Urban Meyer as as to be their coach. You know? But and we know uh, how competitive Jerry Jones and Dan Snyder are individually, especially when it comes to flashing cash. They like to try to outdo each other. Yes, indeed. Yeah, but the the one thing before we move on that it just came to me while you was uh, describing the situation, like the way that you described the Bears, how you know they you kind of wanted them to be, you know that seemed to be the way that Dallas has done business really over the past twenty years. Like they've done enough to keep themselves in that eight and eight to twelve and four position each year. And they've thrown money at veterans and, you know, they've, they've got, you know, they've had a revolving door of coaches. And although, you know, Garrett has held on way longer than you would expect, but they've had quite a few coaches in and out. And like I say, they've thrown money and they've done this and that, but they haven't, they haven't ever done a complete rebuild. They've done just enough to keep their, their fans satiated. And we know how delusional Cowboys fans are. If they have the, oh, least, the least bit of, uh, you know, promise, they think they're going to the Super Bowl. And I think that Jerry has and his people have done a great job of exploiting that throughout the years. Yeah. Man, we talk about the Bears living off the 85 glory. How long have the Cowboys been living off of Jimmy Johnson's glory? My it, goodness. It's about as long. Yeah. I mean, give it another five years, right? Yeah. That's about yeah. it. Another decade. And then it's all the same where let's do anniversaries of remember when we were really good that one time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's like 
you know, it's it's not. It, I, I don't know. It's it's not the most healthy way of doing business. But I would, you know, when you were talking about the the contracts that are up and stuff, I just think about like, man, what if they had, what if they actually did have a forward thinking person, which is not what Jerry Jones is at all. But if they had someone who was willing to be like, look, let's just break all this down and rebuild from the ground up. But you're not gonna you're not gonna see that in Dallas. They it's too much at money at hand. You know, they feel like they they're too much into their reputation down there where they're not gonna you know we they're not gonna do a complete rebuild ever in Dallas. And they're not gonna do anything that relies more on metrics or anything that's sort of current thinking or forward thinking. They're just gonna throw their money at whoever they feel has the best chance to to uh, p- provide them any type of wins and then and and also have at the same time have that same sort of star power that they look to have yeah and it, it definitely throws in that extra intrigue like i said with Dak and amari cooper cooper looks like a guy that you have to keep especially with giving up as much as they gave up to get him and he's been fabulous for them but then you hear the story coming out uh, the game last week against the Eagles that he wasn't in on that fourth down play because he either a uh, ran some kind of go route to play before and needed a breather or b he wasn't really going full out and it was almost like a disciplinary type thing. But that's, I mean, that's your season in one play. You think you got to have your best player on the field. So I don't know what that means. Maybe that's Amari Cooper not liking Jason Garrett. Maybe there's a problem there. I don't know. Jack Prescott, you know, is he worth the money that you're going to have to pay him? Because somebody would pay him $30 million a year to be their quarterback. Why wouldn't you? I mean, he's a guy that has shown the capability to do stuff, and you know that he's been under some horrible coaching basically his whole career with Jason Garrett. And uh, I would think Cowboys have to sign him, but at the same time, too, that's a big risk because he has not looked like a type of Super Bowl-winning quarterback that – he did, I guess, at one point when he exploded on the scene as rookie. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Dak may be – Dak, though, he's had a great season this year. And if you look at him compared to may, – maybe he'll do the same thing that Elliot did and get the money and sort of regress a little bit, at least with his production, because that's what Elliot has done this year. But – you know, at the at this moment right now, Dak maybe seems like the surest thing in regards to an investment. You know, because you know he he does have a little bit of he he does look like he's a good fit to be the the Cowboys quarterback at least for the next few years or so. Yeah, I don't I don't know exactly how to feel about Dak, but I definitely think he has shown that if you put enough around him on the field and on the sideline, that's the type of guy that's going to win you a lot of games who's going to take you to the playoffs. So you've got a chance to win a Super Bowl with him at the very minimum. The upside, though, is still potentially there because I think he's still getting better and he's obviously young enough where he can improve his game. And just the idea of getting him around someone that's actually a really good coach that can really coach offense. You know, if he was a free agent, I would love for the Bears to go after Dak. You know, you need a quarterback, you need somebody that can really uh, come in week in and week out and make some plays and read defenses. I think Dak can do that. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. But we agree, too, on what we want to see and what should happen this week. Uh, you know, get uh, Philly should be winning the NFC East, and that'll put them at the fourth seed in the playoffs. And they would host either the winner or the loser, I should say, of of this uh, game that we're going to go into right now, Seahawks and uh, 49ers, the big game deciding uh, the number number one seed in the NFC and uh, the and the NFC West champion. Uh, it should be a fun game and everything. They had a great game on Monday night in uh, in um, Santa Clara or just outside of San Francisco uh, a few weeks back. You know, we sh- you know what what do you what do we, what should we expect to see in this game, Ryan? Uh, do you think they'll have another game that could live up to that uh, previous game? Yeah, I, I'm not sure if it's going to be quite as dramatic. I think it could be a close one. I mean, this is a huge game. And first of all, for the Seahawks, a couple issues with some injuries, like losing Chris Carson. We'll see what Marshawn Lynch can give them. Beast mode. Uh, running back. Beast mode is back, man. Yeah, beast mode is back, baby. I can't wait to see it. And – you know, for the 49ers, they have an advantage in this game when if that defensive line really gets going, it's going to make it really tough on the Seahawks to do much of anything offensively. And looking back at that Monday night game, what kept that game so close for so long was Davion Clowney and that Seahawks defense getting so much pressure and disruption on Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that's where Kyle Shanahan is going to be focused on, is getting more positive plays and just just being more of a consistent offense. Because if they can move the ball and control field position, I think they're going to have a huge advantage in this game because I just don't trust that Seahawks offensive line, even though they played a little bit better uh, as the season has progressed. But they are just a group that I think needs to be retooled and remodeled next offseason. And uh, it's going to be up to Russell Wilson playing great. And he can definitely do that, but I just I don't know if, if this defense of the Niners is going to be able, is going to be as exploitable as Russell Wilson wants, it's going to come down to, I think, that run game of the Seahawks. If they can really get beast mode going and that ground game going where they can control the clock, control field position, and give their defense enough of a break, give them a chance with some bad field position to get a stop, that's going to be the key in this game. Because for me, I like the, the 49ers and the way that they're playing. And if they uh, just go in there and play their game, I think that they're going to win. It's going to be up to Seattle playing their game, which is ground game, and playing good defense for them to have a shot. Yeah, Russ Russ Wilson may have to have one of his uh, premier. You know, may have to have a premier game for for him. Uh, you know, and uh, looking back at the first game, which Seattle won 27-24 in overtime. Uh, Chris Carson led them in rushing. Carson's not going to be available this week. He's on IR. Uh, you know, Wilson himself had 53 yards rushing on six carries, and he had threw for 232 yards as well. He had only one touchdown and also had an interception. I think when you look at both him and Garoppolo, they got. I think the the I think it may come down to the quarterback who does. Not necessarily does the most, but who has the le- the fewest mistakes, and I think Garoppolo has 
he's definitely more inclined to make mistakes than Ruck than Wilson is. If he makes any, he had an interception and a touchdown as well in that first game. He also got off pretty well uh, passing the Debo Samuel in particular, but he got the ball to a lot of receivers in that game. They were just, they just had, they were just starting to incorporate Emmanuel Sanders. He only had a couple of uh, receptions in that game. They had just got him not long, long before that game, maybe that week of, if I remember. But, uh, you know, he may be, a, he may be a guy who makes more of an impact in this game. If you look at the, the Niners pass attack, um, you know, early in the season, I was, I think we were talking about this division. I lean more towards Seattle winning it. Seattle has a good chance to win it this week. They're at home. But a, a funny thing about them being at home and they and them being the like the 12th man thing that they always have that they try to promote. I love watching Deion Sanders on NFL Network at the end of every Sunday. And he's been giving it to those fans up there because they have three losses at home this year in Seattle. And he's been like, oh, what's, what's all this 12 man stuff, you know? He just been he just been giving it to us. So I'm I don't know if that's gonna be much of an impact this week, uh the the home field for Seattle. So I if I have to lean towards either team in this game, I actually may give it to the Niners in this one. They played the better football as of late, and they seem to be the more balanced team. They have less issues going for them in regards to their their health. So, uh, you know, Seattle can take this one. It'll be a, a signature win, I think, for that, you know, for that team in, in this this era, this uh, Pete, you know, this era with Coach Pete. But, you know, I don't know if they're going to have enough this week. They may have enough with another week of preparation to get a win in the wild card. But, uh, you know, I don't, they, they may have to just cede the division to San Francisco on this one. Yeah, I like San Francisco as well. And I think another thing to keep in mind in that Monday night game where Seattle won, I believe George Kittle was out in that game. Yes. If I remember correctly. Yes, he so will. Having him back is going to be a huge difference for this 49ers offense. Yeah, I, yeah I'm, glad, yeah, I'm glad you said that because, yeah, he was not – he's not on the stats list here. So, he, he, he did miss that game. So, that's – yeah, that's going to be a big – that's a big one another big plus for the 49ers. So, you know, let's see, let's see how it goes. Uh, will, will they, you know, make it happen? And will the NFC go through San Francisco or the San Francisco area <laughs> to get to the Super Bowl? We'll, we'll see how that goes. And we'll uh, preview that on uh, next week with our playoff preview. But uh, let's go, let's go to the AFC. Uh, you know, let's, you know, uh let's reset things here right quick of course this is the all 32 podcast along with bare necessities this week kyle means ryan bukovetsky we are regal radio war on anchor representing and um you know we just gone through the nfc games that are of importance to the playoff hunt this week and we look at the afc for this final week a lot more set up uh, pretty much everything is set. Everybody is in the playoffs in the AFC except for that sixth seed. Uh, and the home field is set up, too, in the AFC. 
Uh, the Ravens are going to be the uh, number one seed. Uh, they, you know, like I say, everything's set up for them. They uh, best record and all that. But then the Patriots look like they're going to be number two. Uh, Chiefs are number three right now. They coming off the big win over the Bears, and they look they look like they're uh, going. They are you no know, already. They they were one of the earliest teams to clinch their division. Actually, the uh, AFC West. Uh, you have the Texans at number four seed. They did a good job in the last couple of weeks uh, securing their spot. Uh, they have the Titans. They have to play the Titans, who are number two in the AFC South this week, but it doesn't mean anything. This, that game is strictly for the Titans now uh, to keep themselves in the sixth seed. And in between, in the fifth seed, you have the Bills, who uh, couldn't you – know, their season basically came down to their – uh, being swept by the Patriots in their two games. And there's a two-game difference between those uh, two AFC East teams. But the Bills still 10, 10 wins this year, a good season for them, and uh, uh, enough to get them back in the playoffs. As we look at the schedule this week and the games that, uh, you know, the games that involve these teams, i get that back up. The click, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this week the Bills are hosting the Jets uh, at noon, so uh, prohibitively another win for the Bills. We'll see how they approach that uh, with their with their starting guys and everything. But um, no, that Bills are at home, like I said, so not no not much for challenge there for them. Same for the Patriots hosting the Dolphins, so. Uh, keeping things neat and together there with the AFC East. Chiefs host the Patriots, uh, the Patriots do have to win that one, though, if they want to keep that number two seed. Okay. Okay, because, yeah, because they lost to the Chiefs. So the Chiefs win, they would have the tiebreaker, right? So, yeah, yeah that I mean, would put – Patriots lost and the Chiefs win, and I think that they, the Chiefs would have the tiebreaker over the Patriots. Yeah, they would both be twelve and four in that situation. Good. Yeah, good. Yeah, thanks for saying that, Ryan. So yeah, so there is some importance there. They both play at noon. So again, this is what I said before about the NFL not wanting uh, games to inf- one game to influence the other. So they're both just going to play, and um, you know we'll we'll see by by the afternoon. We'll see who has that uh, number two seed and who has the number three seed. It'll be one, like I say, one of those teams in 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 e in either the the situation, you know, either the Patriots are number two and Chiefs three, or vice versa. And that could mean no, that could mean a lot, definitely. If you had the Patriots, uh, you know, that's a rarity for them being in the wild card, and the Chiefs, you know, definitely a tough team at Arrowhead Stadium. So you know, you have at least one game there in the. Uh, Actually, yeah, you have at least you have one game there in the divisional round. They would you know they'd have a week off of a week of rest off for them. You know, could make a big difference there. But, um,
elsewhere to the later games uh yeah pretty much okay you have you have the situation like we said at at, at number six there's um <laughs> there's three teams still alive uh you know those yeah we so we already talked about the AFC South game that's going on Texans and Titans in Houston um, but you also have the Steelers. They're going to the Ravens at three. Uh, that's also going to be at three twenty-five. Both those t- uh, t- uh, games Ravens starting at the same time. Literally nothing because they're the number one overall seed. So I would think a lot of guys aren't going to play in that game. Right. Right. So you know, even even if they, you know, you have them with the chance of, you know, ruining the Steelers' season, but we've seen in situations like that before where teams value their health, of course, even over uh, ruining things for a rival. So you you expect that the the Ravens may, you know, yield yield a lot of the game to the Steelers, but, you know, Steelers could still mess up, and they still have Duck Hodges starting at quarterback. So <laughs> they, they're going to have to put some work in if they want to secure – you know, give themselves the best chance to secure because they don't control their own destiny right now. Uh, the Titans, they just have to win. So if they win, they'll be in that sixth seed. But if they lose, then that opens things up for the Steelers. And the Raiders somehow are still in it as well. They are in the hunt at seven and eight. So they, of course, they have to win because the other two teams above them already have eight wins. I'm not sure... I guess both. I guess both the Titans and Steelers have to lose. Is that is it that simple, Ryan, or is this something I else think that I'm they missing? They need another result, but I, they know they at least need the Titans and the Steelers to lose. But there was one other result with their tie break. I'm not sure exactly, but one other thing I did want to mention too: uh, there is a little bit of a battle for that three seed as well. This how jam packed the AFC at the top is. Houston obviously needs a win. They don't need a win to get into the playoffs because they've already won the division, but they need a yeah. win to keep pace with Kansas City if they want a shot at the number three seed. Because if Kansas City loses this Sunday against the Chargers, they have a potential, I think, to drop down to the four seed, which would move the Texans up. And that would be a big deal, you would think, because the Bills being the number five seed, it looks like. You know, assuming the Texans win, that would knock the Titans out potentially, unless uh, you know the Steelers lose and the Raiders lose. But if let's say the Titans lose and the Steelers are in, you would think you'd want to play the Steelers over the Bills with how uh, inept that offense of the Steelers has been. So that three and four seed could be really important. You talk about playing a potentially dangerous team in the Bills versus what looks like on paper at least more of a cupcake team with either the Titans or the Steelers. Yeah, I'm yeah, definitely I'm I had to work a little bit to keep up there. I I didn't even think about the the Texans did beat the Chiefs earlier this year. So that put yeah, that does put the three seed up you know potentially for grabs. I mean looking at these games though, you know, I would I would expect 
no. What what do we what do we expect most? Because I I would expect I the Chiefs. I would expect the Chiefs to win. I'm sorry. I would expect the Chiefs to win. So I think I think a lot of the instability hinges on whether the Chiefs lose or not. So you yeah, know, I think personally the Steves are going to stay the same. I think the Ravens, obviously they they're locked in number one. I think New England, New England is going to beat Miami in New England. Right. That just doesn't. That doesn't look like a loss to me. So that would lock them in at number two. The Chiefs, they should win. That would lock them in at number three. And Houston's pretty much locked in at number four. Their only chance to really move up, like you said, it, it, everything kind of hinges on the Chiefs and the Patriots losing, but they are in prime position to win. So it, it seems very, very unlikely. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it, I get, you know, it, does, it doesn't really affect us too much. So if, there, if there's a lot of you know if 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 everything blows up that could be that could add a lot of fun and spice to this weekend but i don't know i just i kind of like how things are set up right now yeah me too and uh just to throw in for the raiders thing there is they have to the colts have to beat the jaguars so they also okay the raiders need to win they need the titans and Steelers both to lose and they need the colts to beat the jaguars if those four outcomes happen, they will make the playoffs. Okay, but I don't. Okay, but the Colts don't have a chance to get in. So I, I wonder why the Colts Jaguars situation has to. Yeah, I'm not a hundred percent on that as well. That's on CBS Sports when they have their. Uh, they just came out with what each team needs from Will Brinson on the playoff odds. So. Uh, he says they need a Colts to beat the Jaguars. They need that to be one of the outcomes in order for them to make it. Okay. Well, that's a three twenty-five game as well. So, this, like I said, this is a good week. If you're into the AFC, this is a good week for red zone and definitely in those late games. That They, uh, you know, so it look like, yeah, look, it, it looks like this is the way that they staggered everything. Um you know, with the north, the everything is really coming down to those late afternoon games. You know, with the Dallas Washington game and those AFC games all at the same time. So that could be that could be that's going to be the most fun part of the day on Sunday, and leading right into the the winner take all sort of matchup at on Sunday night. So yeah, as as it stands, I think. Like I said, I, 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 with the AFC, I would rather it. I kind of want it to stay the way it is because I think the Titans will be a much more competitive team for the Chiefs than the Steelers would be, and nobody yeah, wants. Yeah, yeah, and nobody. I don't know if I really want to see the Steelers in the playoffs, even though. Oh, I mean, they they have <laughs> an amazing job of staying alive Right now, but that group, they are really uh, 
a dominant threat potentially if they get an offense that can score. And right now they just don't have that, whether it's Rudolph or the Duck. It doesn't matter who's there. And even at the running back position, they just can't dominate with the run game like they've done in the past with Steelers football. If they had that, maybe. But since you can't really control the game, you can't put any big plays downfield. I'm with you. I want to see the Titans. I'd even rather see the Raiders, to be honest, in the playoffs over the Steelers. And that's not a big shot against Pittsburgh, even though I'm not a huge Steelers fan. But it, that offense, I think they're just not going to have a shot, whether it's the Texans or the Chiefs, to beat them because – you got to put up some points against Mahomes and Watson, and they can't do that. Exactly. And, you know, it just, like I said, for me, the only thing that would make me feel good about the Steelers would be Tomlin because, you know, he's not going to get coach of the year this year, but he's he's had one of the better he's coaching jobs. Yeah, he's had one of the better coaching jobs. And, yeah, yeah. so, uh, you know, he deserves for the work that he's done, but his team just isn't there right now. They need some. They need to an infusion of more talent back on that team, you know. And they need a big Ben back. They need a, an effective big Ben. And if they had that right now, there would be no question. I'd be rooting for the Steelers to get in the playoffs because they would be a very interesting team and a really tough team. But since they don't have that quarterback, uh, there's just not much to talk about. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd rather root for Ben to sit his butt behind down and retire. And them draft a I, young guy. I'm, I'm fine with that too. I'm not a, a big Ben fan personally. Yeah. He's got a little too much uh, baggage in his personal life for me. Yes, indeed. Are you? Uh, well, you, you don't. You don't even go on Twitter much. But I was going to ask you: Are you blocked by him on Twitter? Because see, like every other sports personality is. Yeah, it's funny because uh, he really doesn't. He doesn't like people, I guess, criticizing him or having strong opinions about him. But he's the first guy after a loss to call out his teammates on his radio show. He loves strong opinions. Yeah. I'm surprised he's that uh, that adept at technology, but he may just use technology where he can type with his thumbs. I don't, I don't think he types with the other eight fingers much. You know, I think ever since he's been forced to calm down, maybe he mastered technology because he needed uh, other ways to be in the therapist. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. But that's uh, that's it for the playoff stuff this week. Uh, you know, we, uh, you know, like I said, we we're Bears fans and Bears reporters, so we, uh, you know, we we'll close out the week with a little bit of uh, preview of that game, the Bears game this week, uh, Minnesota in Minnesota. It's, you know, the Vikings sapped any any meaning out of this game by losing to Green Bay like they did. So uh, really beyond just looking at this from the Bears' point of view, you know, what else is – you know, what – I guess is, is there anything interesting in your mind about this game? Uh, you know, from a Bears' perspective, probably not really. Um, maybe seeing some of the younger guys – uh, there's a long list of guys that are injured right now and aren't playing in this game. So maybe just seeing some younger guys, how they compete out there. Uh, but other than that, I don't know if there's just a lot you can learn from one game, especially without any type of real stakes involved. Uh, the big thing I think for Matt Nagy and the bears would be trying to just get a win and not go uh, below 500 because it really doesn't matter what their draft positioning if they're seven and nine and eight and eight uh, being in the second round, I mean, maybe you're talking 
a slight difference, but I, I don't think that that enters your mind going into this last week of the season. And uh, really, for the Bears, it's going to be about just that end-of-the-year press conference, what some of these comments are, because you know the questions are coming. Why did you draft Mahomes? Why didn't you draft Mahomes or Watson? You know, can you really go forward with Mitch Trubisky if he's playing at this level and really expect to be a Super Bowl contender? What kind of options are you going to do at quarterback? You know all those questions are coming, and we're probably not going to get a lot of great answers but there'll be answers because we haven't heard anything from Ryan Pace, I think, since about midway in the season. He had a small interview on the sideline with, uh, I think, Luke Canellis or maybe somebody else with a pregame show. It was very impromptu and just nothing, it seemed like. So this press conference is a chance for us to hear from Pace. And, you know, this team, they they're not going to have just unlimited resources to fix this. This isn't like when Nagy first came on where they had all this cap room and they did have draft picks that they could take advantage of in the uh, first round all the way down. But this year you really only have two, maybe three picks in the top four rounds, depending on if they get a compensatory pick for cutting Mike Davis earlier in the year. And a compensatory pick is at the very end of the fourth round. So you're talking just really two picks in the top four. Not a lot of chances for them to add young pieces on this team unless they make a bunch of trades on draft day. They don't have a ton of money to spend on free agency, depending on what they do with some of the guys on the roster. And you got to look at that quarterback situation. You got to say, okay, if we're going to go with Mitch as our starter next year, fine. Cause I think that that's probably what they would, they're going to do, even though I would probably do a different route personally. But if you're going to go with Mitch, you've got to at least get a guy that's better than Chase Daniel that can, you can really rely on for a few games. Cause a, Mitch has not stayed healthy all year in his career yet. And B, or I should say he hasn't played a full season yet in his career. And B, if he does go through a stretch of period where he is inept as he was this year, you cannot allow your team to just suffer like the Bears did, how terrible they were on offense. I mean, anything would have worked out better. And then I think the the last thing to look at is what kind of coaching changes, because I think that they are going to make some changes. It's not going to be with Pace, Nagy, or Trubisky, but I think you are going to see some coaching changes to try to switch some stuff up, whether it's bring in some new blood or just get rid of some guys that they feel aren't really doing the job that they need them to do. But overall, the theme, I think, for this offseason is going to be what can we do organically and internally to fix ourselves because we can't look elsewhere for a lot of help. We got to fix this from within. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you say, man. You know, ain't much I got to add to that thing. Uh, I'll just say for y'all listening to just read what me and uh, both me and Ryan have wrote uh, about the Bears this week on com, and you'll get a good sense of how we feel about everything with the Bears right now. Uh, I like what you mentioned, too, about pace. And, you know, you wrote that and you, and you mentioned it here, too. Like, he, I, it would be nice if he could step up and speak more to the public. He he has he has, he owes us a lot of answers. And, um, you know, it, it's, not, it's not really going to change anything that's happened. But uh, that's happened already. But it, it could give a bit of closure, at least for this season, you know, because, you know, I think we deserve it. This was a very disappointing year. It was, you know, kind of 
it was as we look back on it, a lot could be explained about why it played out the way it did. But in a lot of ways, it was inexplicable too because there was there was enough talent on this team. There was there was enough talent on this team given how bad they were, just how bad they were in in the middle of October, and and uh, you know going into the beginning of November. We we saw how bad they played. They were horrible. They were one of the worst teams in the league through those four weeks, maybe the worst. But they still wound. They still have a chance to wind up with an eight-man record. There was no reason this team could not be ten and six at least and be a playoff team. They just needed. They needed something better in in their key leadership positions, and they didn't get it. And we have to. We we should know why they didn't get what they got. What we should have got from our quarterback, from our coaches, from our head coach, and from some of the from some of our players who. You know, gave us great seasons in two, in 2018, but you know regressed obviously in 2019. You know, some some things were you know were going to be left behind in 2018. You know, I saw I, I saw a tweet today. Uh, I forgot I, I forget who who made the, it was one of the beat reporters, but they listed the interceptions by the team each year. And they have eight interceptions this year, and the 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 previous four years before 2018, they had eight interceptions, but they had 27 last year. So it's like some, something like that you can't expect to happen again, of course. But this team didn't need 27 interceptions to win two more games this year. They just needed one or two, or they needed, you know, one or two games more where Mitch was decent and not awful. Or they needed one or two more games where they ran the ball more than seven freaking times. You know, this yeah. It's, it's just a frustrating team. This is this is frustrating a Bears team as there's ever been. And that, you know, they have to answer for themselves, you know, throughout this whole offseason. Cause they they did a lot to disappoint us and they did a lot they should they should feel as the disappointment we feel, they should feel 10 times the disappointment. Yeah, Kyle, because I, I agree with everything you're saying and thinking about, you know, looking at this Bears team, you're, you're talking about – many people have asked me, you know, since they know that I do sports media, you know, what do you think about the Bears? And I just think, like, man, look at where they're at right now. At worst, they're going to finish 7-9. and nine. If a, if a quarter of their overall possessions that ended in punts were scores, like field goals or touchdowns, they're probably still fighting for a playoff berth this weekend, or at least they're still alive in the playoff hunt. I mean, it, it, you're talking about just a small amount of averageness needs to be added to this team offensively and just a little bit more consistency on the defensive side. You're probably talking about a 10-6 and six team or a nine and six team heading into this weekend at the minimum. And, you know, you're talking about a, a real team that ha- can put this together because Chris Collinsworth, with all he said on that broadcast in the Chiefs Bears game, he was right that they are not far away from getting this thing aligned, but they have to be smart about it too. Uh, you know, just going out there saying, hey, we'll fix the problems by just doing a little bit of changes without really identifying what the problems are 
can lead to those problems just continuing on. You know, if Mitch just flat out can't play and they've done a lot to try to help him, even though we feel that they probably haven't, but let's say they have and he just can't play. I mean, if you go with him as your starter again next year, you're going to run into a lot of the same issues because it's not about just making a slight change there. A real change needs to be made there. Little things like that have to be taken care of in this offseason. And clearly, I think Pace and Nagy were not used to the success and managing it in the offseason. They mismanaged how they were going to direct this team going into this season. And I think they mis-evaluated where their team was at and thought maybe they were a little bit better than they actually were. And they're going to have to have some real hard conversations and some really hard thoughts and, and really look through all the options and exhaust everything, all the resources to try to fix this because it's not going to be a bunch that they need. They just need a few tactical right things, whether it's change in scheme, a certain player type, you know, whatever it is, if they can make just enough changes. They should be fine for next year. And, you know, going back to your Ryan Pace thing real quick, you know, Ryan Pace, it, it's amazing how, how little we get from him. It's almost like an undeserved kind of, uh, you know, pompousness from him in a way. It's just, it's amazing to me. Right now, he is going to have three NFC North finishes in last place, one in third place, and one in first place in his five seasons as Bears GM and was given that contract extension before the start of last season. And we were expecting to see a lot more and just being better than the Lions year two into your extension is not good enough. I mean, that is just a bad, bad thing to see. If Ryan Pace doesn't fix this thing, I mean, there better be some heat under Ryan Pace soon because this has been so many years of finishing at the bottom or near the bottom it's hard to really take him seriously when it comes to, hey, I know what to do to improve this team. That's fair. Well said, Ryan, man. Well said. Uh, yeah, like we, the, we'll have more Bears stuff coming up. Uh, you know, not a <laughs> – we, we, we rightfully get to take a break from them uh, for the next couple weeks, I would say. But uh, whenever something pops up, of course – Going forward in the in the off season, we'll uh, we'll definitely be here to comment on it and everything, and we'll uh, you know definitely have coverage going when we get to the uh, draft time and everything. We'll get into that stuff and you know react to the schedules when they come out and stuff. But you know this week we we uh, say goodbye to the Bears for a little bit and just sort of let that stuff pass us and let it go. Uh, if you want to bet on the Bears one more time uh, this year, uh, they're, they're, the lines are looking at uh, the gates in, in Vegas, uh, pretty much putting them at uh, minus three. So you, you're getting three points for the Bears if you uh, bet on them this week, uh, which is pretty much like a pick em situation because they're on the road. Uh, you know, like I said, that that's that's pretty much the situation because Minnesota doesn't really have anything to play for. So you, you know, maybe I'll I I don't know how good of a bet that is. Still, you know, if you're if you're a Bear fan at heart and you don't you know you don't mind losing a little bit of the cash, depending on how much you put into it, go ahead and bet on this week because 
like we said, Minnesota really isn't playing for much. But uh, I would probably keep my money with the Vikings this week and uh, maybe uh, probably a touchdown. Uh, but, uh, you know, if you want to look at some other bets, 36 uh, over and under, looking at a lot of 36 or 36 and a half. Uh, I'd go with the under on that uh, for the combined score. Uh, what do you think, Ryan? Yeah, I, you know, with that Minnesota offense, uh, no Dalvin Cook, no Kirk Cousins, probably no Stephon Diggs or Adam Thielen. There's going to be a lot of names missing on that offensive side. I just don't think that they're going to really score much against the Bears defense that I expect Khalil Mack to play the whole game and a lot of these other guys. I don't know why you would give anybody really any time off. You know, maybe if you want to take Khalil Mack out because you, you don't want to risk an ACL and he's out all year, okay, I can understand some of that. But I think you want to just play everybody and just try to get through this game. If it's competitive, try to win. If you're losing, just get guys out. But uh, I'd say give Khalil a chance to make double digits and sacks. Yeah, so, so that people get off his get off him a little bit. Yeah, I, I think little stuff like that would be great. Maybe give the guys a first half and you say, "Hey guys, get it done in the first half." Whatever you do, if not, sorry, so sad. You are uh, sitting out the second half because we're not going to lose any of you guys for injuries going forward. And uh, you know, the Bears' offense. Mitch should be feasting, I would think, because, again, Minnesota has no reason to play any of their defensive stars, so I highly doubt that they'll play any of them. Uh, if anything, it's going to be for just maybe a quarter or a few series because that's not worth risking anything for this Bears game. Uh, Mitch should feast, and he has done pretty well against bad defenses. I would think with a bunch of twos on the Vikings that he would uh, be playing a bad caliber NFL defense, so he should really come out and impress. And if not, uh, you know, it's, again, just another damning sign from him that, hey, it's right there for you, buddy. you got to take advantage of the moment. Well, we and we've seen Mitch get 300-yard games or something like that, and the Bears still don't score. Like, if I, if I, threw out, if I was to throw out a score right now, I'd say 17-13 Minnesota. Yeah, I, so I, that I would think put, that's about right. You yeah, know, that would – that puts you – that puts you in, you know, in the right with the spread and the under. So I, I like that. I like that score. But, you know, part of me does kind of feel like this could be one of those weird Bears score 25, kind of like that Cowboys <laughs> game on Thursday where they, they scored like 31 or whatever it was. Like one of those where it's like, hey, see, we're on the cusp kind of thing. Oh, God. Yeah, we that that'd be perfect to end the season on that type of fake positivity. Of, uh, yeah, the yeah, type of a purgatory, right there. Are we good or are we bad? But uh, yeah, that yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Just one more game that we have to emotionally invest ourselves in, then we can just sit back and enjoy the madness that is the NFL playoffs once again. Uh, but uh. Yeah, we'll we'll be we'll be previewing that next week. Uh, we'll have all the matchups set, and we'll get into the, that. And um, I guess maybe we'll maybe we could rank have a power ranking of the playoff teams. Uh, you know, we 
Maybe we'll maybe we'll talk about that later uh, in the next week, Ryan. But uh, as of now, we're just we're gonna leave you with that for our football talk this week. Thanks again to Ryan, man. Thank you for joining me and giving us all that uh, that good analysis and opinion as you usually do. Yeah, absolutely, Kyle. It was uh, a lot of fun talking to you per usual about football, and we got playoffs. Playoffs are here. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be fun on some level, you know. Say, you know, say a lot a lot less stressful on us overall, but you know. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's what... at least for Bears fans, you got the chance to root against Green Bay, and you know maybe they get knocked out early, and you have uh, at least something salvaged out this year. Right. So. You know, we'll just we'll just bear down one more time this Sunday, and you know, if they do win, you know, there'll be a you know, I guess a little something, something good to go on, depending on how they do it. But like I said, take the take the Vikings and take the under on this one this week, and uh, try to get you some get you some money back from your Christmas shopping if you if you indulge a little bit too much. So, but uh, that's it though for this week, man. This is. Bear Necessities, rounding out the All-32 with my man Ryan with Uh Keep track of us on uh, WeAreRegalRadio.com. We Are Regal Radio on IG and Twitter and Regal Radio on uh, uh, Facebook. Uh, Dean Davis Show as well. Dean Davis Show pretty much on any platform that you want to search to follow on a, you know, a on uh, social media and everything and SoundCloud as well for the podcast. And uh, you can radio.com. You can listen to the guys, uh, the minds and Ken, they did another overnight spot uh, on uh, the six seventy to score last night. So uh, that should be a podcast version of that should be available. Uh, on radio.com if not now then soon and listeners they're going to be back on monday night going or sunday night going into monday and monday night going into tuesday so set your calendars now for that yeah definitely so you'll you'll hear this before then so make sure you uh, check them out check them out live if you uh if you have a chance to uh do that but uh yeah for now that's it kyle means here ryan bukovetsky Enjoy your weekend, y'all. Have a happy new year and all that. Wish you the best. Live your best life in 2020. And uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll holler at y'all in 2020. I was I would assume. So uh, talk to y'all later. Thank you.